World. When it's Brown Meets World, your boy meets World Fancast, episode you know? 59. 59. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, TC. I always like looking forward to seeing what I'll be calling you this episode. It always <laughs> changes. It always changes. Exactly. Uh, so, how's it going? Well, things are going good. We're into our, our period of time where Boys World's not technically available. Mm. Um, so we're going off of memory for a lot of these episodes. So, um, you know, I wrote a lot of notes and I'm ready to talk about Frankie's introduction into Corey and Sean's friend group. Yeah, you know, honestly, this episode, it's one of those episodes where it's like, did it feel necessary? No. But do I hate it like I've hated some of the previous ones? Also now, you know what? I think this movie was only uh, this movie this this episode was only necessary because it explains what the fuck happened to Joey. Unfortunately, we don't even see him to say goodbye to him. He's ousted right away. Um, but it, it's one of those things where Joey's relationship with Corey and Sean actually continues to play kind of an interesting role. So I think the fact that we are seeing him as more of Corey and Sean's friend than just like the bully of the school yeah. um, will kind of lead to more interesting storytelling. But this episode also gives us uh, Jonathan's backstory, which yes. is something I'm really excited to get into. It was not what we thought it was. It is not what we thought it was. And I'm again, like, I really, I just, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so all right. Let's do the tell me about it. Tell me about it. Season 3, episode 13, New Friends and Old. Mm. Mr. Feeney asks Corey and Sean to take school tough guy Frankie under his wing, and they discover his reputation makes younger students their willing slaves. In a B storyline, Jonathan's wealthy ex-girlfriend re-enters his life. Alright, and that's it. Uh, chaos ensues. Um, uh, first episode. I'm oh, sorry, first thought. Um, my first thought was that, again, we're, we're seeing uh, uh, Frankie being introduced in, a, in an interesting way. Um, but I think we really, like, the lesson of, like, judging a book by its characters really explored in an interesting way here. All we know of Frankie is him as Frankie the Enforcer. So the audience is kind of uh, having to readjust their expectations of this character in an interesting way. Um, and then Jonathan's backstory was so different than what I had, you know, assumed it to be um, that it's, it's it's just interesting to see how all of that plays a part. It is. I think there are a few things going on in this episode. I think that um, we're constantly in this episode being taught to question our first assumptions, mm-hmm. um, our first assumptions about Jonathan, Jonathan's first assumptions about Melanie. Um, then we have you know, our first first assumptions about Frankie and then uh, Sean and Corey's uh, interpretation of, you know, Frankie. I I think it's just like, I think it is, there are echoes um, in the two stories. Um, And there's even, which which I always love, there's even that moment where the two cross over. And that's why I was going to say that, like, this episode, if nothing else, is such a 
better example of some of the previous episodes that we've seen where the storylines aren't all over the place. They have like paralleled like uh, teaching points that intersect and help, you know, Sean is able to learn from Jonathan and he's able to help Corey learn because of what he learned from his teacher. And it's just all just like this beautiful moment where the this intersection of learning happens. Absolutely. Um, so that leads us to our roll call. Roll call. Um, which is we have Eliza Cole as Melanie. Yes. Uh, which I have to say, I was surprised at Melanie, at who she was. But uh, also, like, it, it was very 90s. Very I, 90s casting. This whole Jonathan storyline, while it was something that, like, I guess added to his character, because Jonathan's story seems to be so separate from Sean, I'm not really as invested in it. Like, what we've been seeing from Jonathan is him and Eli and him and women, and nothing that really relates to him as a teacher or his relationship with Sean, at least in the last few episodes. And I'm losing interest in Jonathan. Absolutely. Honestly. So it's kind of funny because I agree with you. I honestly could care less about Jonathan. And I'm like, why? Like, every time we bring up Jonathan, especially in the last few episodes, I'm like... We haven't developed his relationship with the boys in a while. So I don't, I feel like there's a separate show kind of happening. A hundred percent. And it feels like it was like a studio note. Like, hey, we have this hot guy. Let's like give him more screen time. Let's give him more 20 something stuff for the adults to watch. And Which, I mean, the thing is, I don't mind that, but it's not done in a compelling way. Like, and maybe I don't know, like, you know how I'm always turned on by Turner. Yeah. But, like, maybe just the actor couldn't carry it. I don't know, but I I don't think it's, I really don't think it's an actor issue. I think it is this thing of, he is best served as the teacher that we saw last season of just like, hey, I'm going to teach you to you in unconventional ways. I'm going to give you X-Men comic books. I'm going to, you know, challenge Mr. Feeney and challenge your perception of what a teacher is. That's where he shines. Yeah. Sean, I see you because I relate to you. I That is great. His stuff with women, I really don't care. Yeah, that's the one thing I will say about this episode is the first note that I have is that, again, we pick up with women are obsessed with Jonathan. And it's like, don't get me wrong, Jonathan is hot, but, like, you should want us to think of him as more than yes. just hot guy. Yeah. Um, like, what's his dynamic with Eli? What's that like? Sure. Um, you know, like, we know that they're friends, but is their friendship based off of anything? Make their friendship echo Corey and Eric, or, sorry, Corey and Sean's. I just want more, and I'm not getting it. So, okay, so what we're talking about is, you know, uh, if you guys have been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that we had this idea that Jonathan came from this big Italian family with, like, nine sisters, and he <sighs> called his mother Ma, and he wore a tank top and ate spaghetti every night. As racist as that was, <laughs> um, uh, we now learn that Jonathan actually comes from a wealthy Connecticut family. Yep. He's, he's wasped through and through. Yep. And he left the family business so he could start anew and become a teacher. And he left wealth and all these things where Melanie was included in that. And um, he yeah. feels like she's going to judge him for being a teacher. So his story was that him and Melanie were engaged and... Eli calls her the one that got away. So it's not just that they were engaged. It's that we assume that he really did have feelings for her. And even the way it's played out is kind of like, oh, there's still that there. Yeah. You know, there's still like a lot um, unsaid between the two of them. Sure. But, you know, he left. I just think it's very weird because their motivations 
are what they say is his motivations is like he just like I'm gonna leave and be a teacher, and his family are like, "How dare you, a teacher? Yeah. That's minimum wage." And it's just like, <laughs> well, I mean, we're supposed to like, I mean, I don't know. Melanie is, as far as we know, dumped Jonathan because he became a teacher. Yes. Well, like how they say it is that, from if I'm remembering correctly, is that Jonathan actually left her. Like he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna leave this lifestyle." And everything that we built, and she just kind of like had to react to it. Yeah, you know, he was like, "Hey, it's almost as if in a different world we could see an episode of him leaving her at the altar." Almost, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they don't really say that, but I'm just saying they were engaged. They were. I mean, I definitely think it sounds like that they, as a couple, had a plan, and he decided to go off course. And exactly. That's what- change things. But I feel like to me, this would be stronger if we had met anyone else in um, in Jonathan's life up to this point. Yeah, I, Even if Eli came in and they had hinted that Eli knew about Jonathan's past. Or something like we're seeing uh, Sean struggle with his relationship with his parents. Why not like have like, you know, a voicemail that Sean hears about like Jonathan's parents talk asking about him and him being like, I don't really talk to my parents that much or there just being some conflict introduced between him and his family. Yeah, like a little bit of seeds. Like they planted a few seeds, like kind of like what they're doing with Eric and his education. Yeah. Where it's like, we don't need a lot, but like a line here and there that lets us know that Jonathan is not what he seems. Or even someone being like, you know, I don't know a lot about you. Mm-hmm. You know, you are very involved and you're a fun guy, but I don't know you. And kind of lead us to wanting to know more about Jonathan. I think that would be great. But well, what we what we get instead is this person who just shows up with a backstory in hand. Well, the other thing is that this backstory plays no part into who Jonathan becomes and exactly. plays no part into like changing his storyline. Like it's one of those things where like, hey, Jonathan used to be rich. He gave it up for this girl. They we never gonna speak about it again. It's never gonna have any lasting consequence. So even at the end of this, where it's like this moment of like, oh hey, you know, people are learning to not judge each other based on wealth and all those things, it still is just kind of a pointless thing that only is yeah, I, I agree. I think that's kind of what bothers me about this storyline with Jonathan. I love what it reveals, and I love how it plays out in this episode. What I don't love is that I know it's contained. Why not I, have him and Melanie continue a relationship of sorts? Absolutely. Like, there's no reason for them not to, Yeah. Uh, in all honesty. They seem like they're perfect for each other now. Absolutely. Or here's the thing. I'm, I'm not even going to say that I need that because I do like the idea of how she's introduced is Jonathan kind of describes her as a cartoon character yeah. of a rich girl. She gave me money. Yeah, absolutely. Like he comes in and she's just like, oh, she's going to show up in her tiara and her fur coat and like her beamer, but she still has. Yeah, and just look down on everything that I've built. And I was like, that sounds solely on you. That sounds like Harsh. a thing. You feel about your own life. Why are you inviting her over at all? Exactly. And when she shows up and she's in like jeans and cash, he's like taken aback. He's like, yeah. where's your, I don't know, chihuahua. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and like all these other when things. When is it revealed that she does again? Um, She started her own company. Okay. And I thought that was really nice. And like, Oh, it's a bookstore, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, but here's the thing. I feel like it's really funny. What I love about this episode 
is that Melanie is constantly pushing against Jonathan's expectations, and it kind of it kind of shows us who Jonathan is, because Jonathan's just always like. I expected this from you. And she's like, yeah, I, well, no. She's like, yeah. I, I moved on, number one. I became my own person. I have all of these things. Yeah, I still have my Beamer, but, like, I, I realized that I can have both. Yeah. And in a way, she's kind of the better version of Jonathan. Sure. Because Jonathan, like, left his family and shunned it all. And she's like, no, you forced me to think about things and reexamine my life choices. And I had to come up with a backup plan because you destroyed the plan that we have. But now I realize that I can have, there is a balance. I can lean into the part that I was raised in, but also be my own person. I think this storyline would have been so much stronger if instead of a girl, old girlfriend, we were talking about Jonathan's dad. Him and John, like him and his father having like this point of contention because of the way he like left things. Sean seeing the relationship between Jonathan and his dad and then understanding Jonathan better, building that bridge between them. That would have been so much more effective of a storyline than just this girl that pops up and we never see her again. In all honesty, that's when I said earlier that I wish we had gotten like, a prelude to this, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I was like, if we had an episode before where we saw Jonathan's dad, or have Jonathan's dad come into town and be like, hey, Melanie's on I mean. her way. Yeah. And, oh, you know oh, what I mean? Like, I see. I no, see. what I'm saying is, if we want to keep both, the things, the explanations that Eli gives, why not have Jonathan's dad or Jonathan's brother or someone who's from that world be like, hey, I came, but I only came to tell you that Melanie's on her way. Hmm. and you're about to be hit. And then we get this kind of lived-in world instead of just this alien to the story. And it it sheds more light on Jonathan, but not in a way... Like, I'm more interested about Melanie than I am Jonathan. I'm not interested in either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into this Frankie storyline? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, well, let's just... I first want to say that we start off with... Um, uh, Sean and Corey in cheerleading outfits. Do you want to talk about that scene at all? <laughs> that or? was going to be my uh, bro oh, moment. Okay, okay. Just because, A, I liked, I liked the fact that we kind of pick up on... This is one of those episodes that TV does every now and then where we are used to having hijinks and storylines that are kind of out there. And this episode picks up in the middle of one. Yes. You know, and I like, I liked that. I loved that... We were like, okay, we have so many questions. How did you get there? Yeah. Why are you doing there? What's going on? And then later on, even Sean and Corey being like, you know, I don't know how to say this, but I kind of like the breeziness. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I do want to talk about this for a second because what we learn is that both Frankie and Joey did this prank on Corey and Sean. Yeah. Where they, on school grounds, burned their clothes with fire, <laughs> forced them to wear cheerleading outfits, and sent them on their way. Um, Joey was suspended, not expelled, and Frankie was given detention and yes. a warning. Um, if you set a fire in a school... And like, imagine if you, if you saw this news story. Like, kid sets another kid's clothes on fire at school. Two questions. Have you tried being white? I have not. And have, you tried, <laughs> and have you tried being 
a white male in the 90s. Um, Pre-Columbine, by the way. If I had a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that we are dealing with a different world here, and uh, also we're on TV, so hijinks. You know, it's just like, boys will be boys. Um, but yeah, there is some like little sexist overtones that I'm sure we'll get to in the bro moment. But um, basically, Feeney tells uh, Frankie the Enforcer that he needs to find better friends, and he recommends Sean and Corey. So what I like about this episode is that Sean and Corey are not good friends. No, we're and s- I love that. I love that what we get again. This is something to where Frankie's evolution. I'm way more interested in, and it's way more... It's done better, in my yeah. opinion. Because Frankie takes Feeney's advice, and he is a side character who gets a moment to shine in a way to where us as the audience, we see that this person is, like, kind of... His reputation precedes him. And he's kind of stuck in this uh, persona... Well, he's also, we've only seen him really, I mean, at least as far as the second season goes, as a lackey, as someone who follows his friends. And what happens when all of his friends are gone? Um, I think one of the greatest lines in Boy Meets World history (laughs) is in the show, when Frankie says, I walk alone in this world, if not for the grilled cheese sandwich in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like it. You know, I, I really enjoy... Anytime we see Frankie, he's uh, who's trying to, I think there is something as like you know what it is, and I, I think this is important. As someone who is tall, six foot four, and as a person of color, there when people see you, there are expectations, there are assumptions totally. that are had, and it does not matter who you are as an individual. You always have to combat their expectations. A hundred percent. And I think that this episode does that with Frankie. We see this large, big guy who we, as the audience, have always noticed is actually very sensitive and and creative and talented in multiple ways. And we even meet his father, who is intense. Which I... Dynamic is fascinating. Also very... And then we meet his mother. So, like, we see... We in get, a really funny way, by yeah, the way. absolutely. <laughs> she has been there the entire right, time. She's in this meeting the entire time, but she's blocked by both Frankie and her, his dad. You don't even know she's in the room because she's so tiny. Exactly. And so, from that, it's really interesting to... For this episode to explore what it means to be physically different from everyone else and have to either lean into that, which is what Frankie does in the beginning, or try to fight against it and still have people stick with their assumptions. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, uh, one of the things that comes up uh, that we see is that Corey comes up with this idea to become Frankie's friend to avoid getting beaten up. Yeah. Um, this storyline, I don't know if you... It kind of reminded me of a Hey Arnold episode. Yeah, very Hey Arnold. Just like a, hey, you know what? You're a bully, but we're just going to help you out, and you can follow me, and I'll show you the ropes of how to do this. But it turns into this thing of the boys taking advantage of Frankie. Yeah, and honestly, now that you've said it, this completely could be a Hey Arnold episode. Um, it reminds me of the Soup Kid episode of Hey Arnold. Yeah, yeah, but I just feel like it's it's very much in that vein of our main characters are not the hero. 
Yeah. And it's only by happenstance. It's by Sean overhearing Turner talk about all of his assumptions with Melanie that we even get the conclusion to where Sean's like, wait a minute, there is more to this person than I actually gave credit to. I just want to say that, like, I, I may have mentioned this before, but the fact that Frankie has lasted so much longer than his counterparts, the fact that Frankie gets so much screen time with his him being the kind of actor that he is in the 90s is kind of dope. Like, it's very rare that, like, this kind of person gets this much screen time on a primetime television on a network show. Absolutely. Um, so, like, for, like, the idea of just having this very large guy, you know, getting these storylines, I feel like it's kind of dope of Boy Meets World. Like, it's not something you would see on some of the other shows. He's kind of, at this point in time, I wouldn't give him this credit throughout the show, but I feel like at this point in time, he's kind of like the Gunther. Yeah, from Friends. You know, where it's like he's a character that we don't really spend a lot of time with, but we still, or Janice, I think would actually be a a better analogy. Where it's like we don't get a lot of time with them in the arc of the series, but we do have an understanding of where they come from and their motivations. Well, one thing I will say is that I feel like Gunther and Janice stay pretty one note, whereas Boy Meets World does a pretty good job of making Frankie 3D. I think that Janice, uh, at least, the reason why I changed her character is she's actually not one note in the first three seasons. She only becomes one note in the the later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. When, like, in the later seasons, they just make her this annoying person, whereas in her first three... Uh, seasons of appearances. She has family. She has an ex-husband. Mm-hmm. She has feelings about Chandler and all this. You know, she has like an interaction with the group. And it's only later on when the writers decide that she's just annoying cameo person that she becomes one note. But she actually, you know, she leaves Chandler at one point. Sure. She's like, this isn't working. I have to do what, what's right for my family. And I feel like that's what we get with Frankie right now, where we are getting someone who was a side character, but the writers realize you're actually pretty interesting. Yes. And I feel like they just found um, a character that could really build something out with. Um what do you think of the way that Joey is treated in this episode, his farewell? You mean the fact that he's not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, I don't like it because I feel like we've we've given everyone else a send-off. We gave... Yes. Um, we even gave... Uh, well, Minka's going to get a send-off. I mean, he, but he had like a final... final well, actually... I will argue Mikas does get a send-off. But not yet. Not right. yet, but he does get a send-off. Um, and we even, so does Mr. Turner. But Frankie, sorry, Joey just does it. Harley got a send-off. Harley got a send-off. Griff got a send-off. Yeah. The only person who didn't get a send-off is Joey. And I feel like Joey actually participated more. There's one scene where they're talking about, uh, hey, yeah, we want to be your friend. And, you know, uh, Sean... Uh, they're like, oh, we can go to poetry meetings. And Sean's like, I hate poetry. Which, if you know where Sean's character goes... I know, right? It's always Super hilarious. interesting. Yeah. Um, there's one scene where uh, that I want to talk to you about. We get some interesting language from Corey, who, when discussing Frankie with his mother, says, he doesn't need friends. He's a thug. He scares people. Yeah. 
thoughts. Yeah, again, I again I love I wrote that Frankie is considered a thug, but he mostly just walks around. We show him he's Frankie is just moving through the hallway. Well, no, that's the thing is that like I feel like Boy Meets World does they create this juxtaposition with Frankie because on one hand he's just a sensitive poetry reading guy, but he just burned their clothes to the ground. Well, A, we didn't see it, so we don't know if Joey did it and he just didn't stop him. You know what I mean? Well, Joey's not the muscle of that group. No, he's not. But what I'm saying is, very often, even when we see Frankie be, quote-unquote, the enforcer, Mm -hmm. it is really Frankie with his friends, and his friends are like, hey, muscle, attack, or react, or engage, whatever they need him to do. And even when um, the boys do it, we see that, they are like, oh, hey, you won't like it when our guy Frankie shows up. And Frankie's presence alone creates this fear. And I don't blame him for every now and then just leaning into that fear. But I can, I have a very strong idea that Frankie showed up to school one day, large guy, everyone avoided him out of fear, and the only people who spoke to him were Joey and Harley. Uh, yeah, I do think that the reason why Frankie was with them was because he was hanging out with these people who he felt like, these people accepted him because they felt they could benefit from him. And Frankie even goes as far as to say that to Feeney later in the episode. Um, I actually like that Feeney's, like, one-on-one was with a student that wasn't one of the main kids. Yeah. Um, where he's like, you know I what? I love that. Yeah. You know, Corey and Sean are basically using me as the enforcer the same way that Harley and Joey did. And I love that Frankie got to a point where he was like, I'm done being used by people. And I thought that was a very mature thing for him to kind of come to and him to be brave enough to be like, you know what, even though these people like this is my only chance of making friends and I'm willing to risk that just so I can have more sincere friends. Yeah. When will they stop taking advantage of me? Yeah. And Feeney's response is, when will you stop letting them? Yeah. And again, I love that we get Feeney's interaction with another student. And I love that advice. It's very... I feel like it's something that even as adults, you you start to be like, my intentions are so pure. And my intentions are great. And why won't anyone sure. appreciate that? And Feeney's like, well, what are you doing to stop them from doing that like are you are you enabling it sure sure sure. are you allowing it and i think that's i just i really value that um cory and sean lean into being a bully really easily absolutely do we want to talk about that at all because they like (laughs) as soon as they realize that they can scare seventh graders with frankie they do not hesitate to take advantage of it and that's as characters that got bullied themselves, you would really think that they would kind of have that, like, you know what, let's change the way this dynamic. And Actually, not at all. For me, it makes sense. Almost always, you have that reoccurring trope of people who are powerless getting a little bit of power and then being the exact same, being just as cruel as the, the ones who yeah. they, you know, they hated. And uh, that brings us to another person on the roll call who is Adam Wiley, who plays Robert, who is another one of these character actors who is all you over the 90s. everywhere, yeah. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows this, but he he's mostly seen as a child yeah. in the 90s. But um, in the late 2000s, he shows up in Gilmore Girls kind right. of as the same dorky character, 
but as a teenager. And it's really interesting to just see uh, the adult version of him. <laughs> What's his name? Adam Wiley? Adam Wiley. And he's in Gilmore Girls. Um, he's in Rory's senior class. And um, I just remember the first time I saw him on that season, I was like, I know exactly who you are. And it's hilarious. I just I wanted to look him up because I feel like I've seen him in some. He's been in a lot of things. Hold on one second. He was in Child's Play too. That's where I know him from. He's just been. He's in a lot of things. He's in. I know he's on Full House. I know he's on all of these '90s sitcoms. No, no, no. That it was Child's Play too. Like I had something in my mind. I was like, I know this motherfucker from somewhere specifically. (laughs) Um, okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Okay, uh, also Robert, a.k.a. Dances with Sweaters. He was also on Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh my god. Can we just talk about Walker, Texas Ranger? I love it. I mean, it makes me really sad mm-hmm. to know who Chuck Norris is in real life, but Walker, Texas Ranger was a phenomenon in school. It was. Do you remember that? Yes, I like, remember. At, like, it was just, like, I watched it all the time. Me and Tyler have watched through... Chuck Norris's entire filmography. Are you serious? Multiple times. Oh my god! I think I actually own several Chuck Norris movies. No, like I just Chuck Norris was '90s badass in a way that I just don't. I can't think of an equivalent. Chuck Norris has a movie. He's done at least three different movies, or uh, two movies in one episode of Walker, where a car is run, like trying to run him over, and he runs to the car, does a kick, and then through the glass, his foot <laughs> kicks the neck of the driver that's driving it. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Please YouTube this, guys, if you're if you're listening. Okay, uh, but yeah, getting back to that episode. Children of the Corn Five. I, he's been all over the place. Okay, um, so. Yeah, so, you know, Sean hears Turner talking about, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, what he says is, when you're young, first impressions are wrong. All the time, we know each other, but we didn't know each other. Um, and I think that I, that is also something that's very valuable in this episode um, that I will probably use as my Feeny lesson, which is just that knowing people and knowing people are very different things. And you could know or be aware of someone, or even, in Turner's case, be in a relationship with someone when you're younger, but never really get to know that person. You know what? I have to say, I agree with all of that. But I, from Corey and Sean's perspective, Frankie is kind of the worst, even as a friend, and here's why. All right. I'm very interested to hear Because that. from the beginning, Frankie views them being friends as almost like this business transaction. And he's like, well, you're going to come to my sleepover because you're my friend, right? And, like, you're going to do this because you're my friend. You, you know, like, everything just feels like it's this thing of just like, well, you're my friend, so you have to do this, this, and that, and we have to do it the way I want to. Otherwise, it's disrespectful to me. And don't get me wrong. Sean and Corey absolutely take advantage of Frankie. But there are just times where Frankie just needs to just chill out. But Frankie doesn't know that. I think what the episode shows us is that Frankie doesn't know what friendship is. He's never had true friends. And I feel, for me, it's kind of like, like, I think of it like Nell. It's like what you need (laughs) to do is he needs to be taught. He is someone who's never had these things. And so he goes, oh, I guess one of the things that you do if you have friends is you have sleepovers. I've heard of that, so you guys got to come to my sleepover. Do you honestly feel like 
Joey and Harley had sleepovers with him. Maybe Joey, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but I don't think I don't think Joey and Harley were having sleepovers with him. Yeah. So I think he went off of what he knew about friends. And I think that what happens is, again, because he is large, they just assumed they had to do it. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? And I think that Frankie has an authority due to his size that when he requests something, it comes off as a demand. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe that's it. I just, I felt like Frankie was expecting a lot of friendship where I don't think he ever took the time to try to get to know Corey and Sean better either. So, I mean, obviously it's just a 30 minute and it's a very like quick episode, but I never felt like he kind of made uh, the same effort that he was expecting Sean and Corey to make. All right. I mean, but he also didn't take advantage of them right off the bat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, anything else you have to say about this episode? Uh, no, I felt like it was kind of, uh, whatever. I feel like we covered our bra moments, uh, unless, do you have a new one? Um, do I have a bra moment? Um. The only other moment I will say that I liked from this episode is in our epilogue, we get, um, Frankie's dad, of course, Frankie Sr., and uh, I just love how Amy's like, Francis, you don't act like this at PTA. You know, like she was just like, again, another one of these subverting expectations where she's like, why are you behaving like this? This isn't you. Frankie says something in this um, episode that I say all the time where uh, I think it's, it's just this little one-liner that stood out to me when I was a kid watching this where they're like, Frankie, where you been all our lives? And he's like, around <laughs> and i say that all the time and no one catches the reference oh god i've never heard of that reference yeah. before but I, I really do enjoy it um so did you have an additional bra moment or a feeny tommy um no i think the feeny tommy was pretty pretty laid out like you know people will stop taking advantage of you when you stop letting them take advantage of you so yeah okay well i like that um to that spirit let's do well let's do our grades and then homework uh what grade are you giving this episode uh, C minus, uh, B minus. I'm gonna give it a C, but I like like I think B minus is great. And uh, you know why? Because I I appreciate that they tied the storylines together. I feel like yes. that's something that Boy Meets World when it, they do it well, I think is really impactful. So I I'll give it at least a B for the much. And I'm gonna just give it a C. I feel like it's it is average. Sure. I feel like this episode is average. As much as I love what was brought up, I feel like the episode. As a whole, it's just after. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, um, homework. What homework do you have? You know what? You know, this may seem a little strange, but I kind of want to give a shout out to another Boy Meets World podcast. No, what? Like, let's do it. Let's promote. <laughs> um, and this is just because, again, I'm just such a fan of Boy Meets World that there's actually a podcast called the Feeny Call Podcast. Uh, where um, a group from Chicago talks about Boy Meets World, and they're kind of going through the same journey that we're on. Um, but they, it's just that it's it's a female and a male, and I just think they have a pretty interesting take on it. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I wish I could have a conversation with them about this show because it seems like they also appreciate it the way we appreciate. You know, it. honestly, I say we reach out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what's yeah, the yeah. worst that could happen? They say no. I yeah, mean, like yeah. it's it's fine. Um, and yeah, I think the more Boy Meets World lovers, the better. Exactly, exactly. So the Feeny Call. Pop Podcast. It's one of the, you know, when we began this podcast, we were looking at what was out there as far as Boy Meets World podcast, and we just didn't feel like anyone appreciated the show the same way we did or took away from it the same way we did. Um, and where I feel like 
the people who do this podcast do. So just be as as a Boy Meets World lover to fellow Boy Meets World lover, I'd say check out the Feeny Call podcast and see what they think about the episodes that we've reviewed because they're actually still in the first season. So okay, um, so I mean, yeah. yeah, I would love that. And honestly, our first season was kind of like. If you have a good first season, I'm here for you. <laughs> uh, also, yeah, you're right. I think that there are episodes, um, not episodes, there are podcasts that when I listen to them, I'm like, why are you watching? You don't seem interested. Not at all. You know, and I'm not going to name their names because like, I don't want to do that, but I just listened to a few episodes. It's like, you honestly, one of them, their theme is, hey, I'm bored by Boy Meets World. And you're like, okay, so why do... A podcast on this or just like <laughs> talking about it for, without appreciating what boy meets world is as far as just like its legacy like Absolutely. i just just i want to talk to a fan i want to hear from a fan i don't want to hear from people who are passively watching it so. all right well that being said everything we just talked about will bring me to my homework which is the joker hey uh, i want everyone i am dem- by the time this episode comes out Joker will have been out for a few weeks, and um, but specifically to our listeners and to you, I have not watched it yet. Please, no, keep all, all I'm all going spoiler to say free. is you haven't watched mm. it yet, and I need people to talk to with it. I'm gonna watch so, it this weekend, we're gonna have a conversation about it, but as of right now, I don't want to hear anything about it. I just think that it's a different movie than people expect it to be. I'm sure. And I just want people to see it. Okay. Even if we don't agree, I want people to see the movie because I feel that a lot of people are doing exactly what we talked about in this episode, where a lot of people are reacting to their expectations without and seeing it. not really... Well, the movie made a shit ton of money, so people were watching Oh, it, it broke records. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, at this time, again, by the time this comes out, it will have been a while. Hopefully this will lead way to more R-rated comic books, because I'm That's there for That's the it. hope, I'm and I'm it. just saying... Because an R-rated, like, like, uh, like, uh, you know, we always talked about, like, making the Arkham Asylum video game into a movie. Yes. Like, an R-rated version of that would be dopest. Absolutely. So, anyway, that is my homework. Again, in order to prevent any spoilers, uh, if you haven't seen it yet... Um, I'm not going to say much else then. You know the Joker property. Find you CJ know... on Twitter. Yes. Once you watch it, reach out to me. And like, like yeah. you got about it. But um, that is my homework. Okay. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of Brum Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcast. Um, make sure you leave us a rating. We always appreciate those things. And you can follow us on Twitter at Brum Meets World or email us at brummeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. Uh, that's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J-T-C. You can find me on IG at dot... A braver me. dot braver dot me. Uh, I almost had it. Almost, had it. almost. I expect better from you next time. I know. I know. It's terrible. Okay. Uh, anything else? Um, no. Guys, only a few more weeks until Boy Meets World will be available on Disney+. Plus. Um, so just hold tight until then, <laughs> and then you guys will be able to follow along. Okay, uh, remember to dream. Try. And watch a Chuck Norris performance. Like, I just feel like that's... <sighs> Fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the, the, the Feeny advice of tonight. Dream, try, and support Chuck Norris. No, actually, so I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but he is a right-wing nut. It's I, really unfortunate. You know what? That does not surprise me. 
I would just say maybe revisit some of his early movies. I was going to say, fantastic. just look up some Chuck Norris jokes. Those are always fun. There's some but, great uh, clips on yeah. YouTube, yeah. Either way, later, bros. Later, bro.